back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan. That's Matt. Matt, well, I'm going to paint my picture, paint myself in blue and red and black and gray. All of the beautiful colors are very, very meaningful. Yeah, well, you know, gray is my favorite color. Hi, Ryan. Well, Mr. Rather and me are looking into the future, by which we're looking into the past. Uh, and, and we are in the 90s. We're in the we're in the fat part of the 90s, the thick, meaty part of the 90s uh, with County Crow's uh, debut album, August and Everything After. Just the, just oh. the girthiest part of the shaft of the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I, I, or as I like to call it, August to December inclusive, um, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, and this is this was a huge hit. Uh, Matt uh, has liked to uh, underline several times in our preparation for this episode uh, that this album was seven times platinum. Um, spawned a number of um, hits on the um, on the rock charts, uh, on the pop charts, uh, leading with uh, Mr. Jones, uh, but also Round Here was a huge hit um, and. And then uh, this is an album that kind of established them as major major, uh, major artists. Uh, and I think, as we'll get into it, I think is very, you know, a, a very influential album culturally and to at least one of the two of us uh, on the podcast. Isn't that right, Matt? Yeah, well... I- <laughs> Whoa! I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, I mean, oh. I like them fine, but you say like again. As no, I was project, I was so deep into this shit, and like I, I've, I've talked I've talked about I've talked about before that like uh, my friends who were like real who were real uh, hard into the grunge, like who liked you know Soundgarden and Mud Honey, and like who wore Dinosaur Junior T shirts and shit like that to show that they knew you know what the roots were, like. Uh, uh, just disdained, um, just disdained counting crows. And, and, uh, I once made a joke, uh, like, I think we were talking about what we, what we were going to be for Halloween. And I, I said, I want to be Bob Dylan. And, uh, <laughs> and this like black dyed hair, uh, gothy girl that I went out with for a minute and then did, wasn't going out with anymore, looked at the whole rest of the group and said, you're not going to let him quote counting crows are you <laughs> and that i mean that was the disdain that was the like the level of contempt uh with which this this record uh was uh held uh, in in the level in which it was held by friends of mine but i you know i would propose that like though it's more of a kind of coffee house jammy um rock and roll band uh than say Pearl Jam, like the the level of emotional intelligence, right? The level of maturity evinced in the writing is equal to, or if anything, slightly greater uh, than what you see on um, on 10 anyway. So uh, I don't know. I, we can so you're maybe... throwing down, man. Yeah. <laughs> It's a low bar. It's a low bar If it riled the goths up so much and the alternative kids, yeah, it, right. That that itself means that it's doing something right, right? Um, and it's it's not that it's just. And I, I, I'm sure they were um, rejecting it because it was so poppy. But so were all of these other bands at this point, <laughs> right? Uh, and the sounds inspired by them, um, right? That this was uh, so August and everything after, um, if memory serves correctly was released on the same day in 1993 as uh, Nirvana's In Utero, right? Um, and In Utero kind of uh, shot to the top of the charts uh, sooner, um, but kind of uh, there was County Crows kind of um, built the momentum around the, the single and it became popular, but in a way, and I think this kind of, I, I think this is is interesting because for me, you know, watching MTV and maybe being a little less um, in the kind of you know um, lunchroom politics of alternative rock, it was it was just part of the goulash, you know, yeah. like uh, and and I think that right that part is, of the part of the 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 lunchroom mystery meat that was spooned onto your plate by the by pro- MTV, yeah, <laughs> by MTV or by the programmers at the the you know major market modern rock stations, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's interesting to think about. Um, 
wh- where this fits. Uh, and, and I think that that's uh, setting that up. And so this is because this is an album of kind of both historical import and then, you know, just a bunch of well-written songs, well-written and well-performed songs. Right. So we'll, we'll, there's a, both a lot to survey in the context um, as well as uh, in some of the finer and closer readings of um, at least a few of these songs. Um, so go and give August and everything after um, a few spins if you uh, haven't ever um, or if you haven't for a little while. Um, and again, the, the, the singles will really pop, uh, but there are some really uh, – some of the album cuts um, are – uh, really strong and really, um, really like our live favorites as well. Um, and so, uh, give it a few spins, um, and then meet us back here after this word from our commercial sponsors. Do you have trouble counting? Oh, I just like, I, I don't even know where to start and how to keep going. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if there were like, say a group of crows, would you struggle to like number them? Well, yeah, I mean, but be, but it's largely because they just keep moving around, but also because I'm bad at counting. Well, if you need help learning to count, why not start with the classic that started it all, The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carl. Oh, does that, will that help with crows or just caterpillars? No, uh, on Monday he ate through one apple, but mm. it was still, but he was still hungry. And on Tuesday he eats two of something. The Amazon preview of this book doesn't tell me what. Well, then I guess I'm going to have to buy it. Yeah. Use an affiliate link for overthinking it when you do. You can count crows, apples, or anything that a caterpillar can eat or exists in the world. That covers a wide range of things, from crows to apples to anything a caterpillar can eat or that can exist in the world. Wow, this caterpillar's getting huge. <laughs> Just like Adam Duritz, the very hungry caterpillar. He must be eating his shame. And we're back. That ad got real, like, <laughs> uh, both emotionally uh, and commercially, kind of like the counting crows. And I have a question for you, Matt. <laughs> I, good. I don't. I don't have enough distance from this music to have uh, to have a question about it. I mean, just to to me, the like slightly whiny timbre of Adam Duritz's voice is the sound of all teen angst forever. Yeah. And so I can't. You know, I can't even. I can't even begin to separate myself from it so so please i i want to know your question well no but so and and this is a good uh entry point right so these counting crows with adam duritz's voice uh and their sha la 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 yes and their jangles and their um and their their diverse instrumentation um and their hooky choruses are they responsible for how shitty pop rock became in the mid to late 90s (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, they're not not responsible. So I think the answer has got to be a. Uh, I think the answer has got to be a qualified yes. <laughs> so let me give you a little bit of uh, a background here. Right? So um, Spotify has recently rolled out a new uh, feature in which, uh, if after you listen to an album, um, at least the default setting is, if you do not have it on repeat, it will start auto playing a radio station based on that album. I know. <laughs> um, I know. I hate that. Uh, we'll see. I, I actually like it. I mean, because I, I want to, I'm interested in how the algorithm is or is not working and what it thinks, what it thinks is like the thing I've listened to. Um, because, uh, and also what it's imagining about like the use case of this, right? So that it imagines that the station. So let me let me tell you. I, I took notes on. I let it go for a, a while um, after one of my listens to August and every uh, everything after. So here are the songs that it played um, afterwards. Um, so this is, uh, uh, in other words, this is after August and everything. This, after? Yeah. So this is after a play of August and everything after it auto played into the following songs: "Closing Time" by Semi Semi Sonic, um, uh, "Every Morning" by Sugar Ray, "Crack." by dave matthews band wow um one week by bare naked ladies yeah um calling all angels by train um enter lightly by david gray and then uh, how's it going to be or uh gonna be going to be by third eye blind that's where i stopped wow (laughs) yeah you gotta jump off there right and so and it's so interesting because you know 
this 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 is all actually quite a bit after um counting credits right this is these are all i would have to check the dates but it struck me as being 95 on um and this is as a, as a 93 album um and it's interesting also because in my mind i also do lump Counting Crows in with these bands because there is something about, you know, that these bands are more like Counting Crows than they are like Mud Honey or Pearl Jam, right? That this um, is the way, ad- one of the paths that alternative rock took in the late 90s as it kind of morphed and kind of became not an alternative to nothing, <laughs> um, became the monoculture. Um, and yet, and, and, and so I think that I approached uh, Counting Crows um with a bit of trepidation, um, even though I've had several periods of liking Counting Crows, uh, as I I discovered as I re-listened to this. And as I I re-listened to this, I also also discovered that... um, that that it, counting crows do, do not really sound like those bands or those songs. No, yeah, um, so I mean the 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 theory that I have based on that algorithmic thing is that each of those bands sort of exemplifies one aspect of hmm. you know of the counting crows tapestry, right? Like Dave Matthews for sort of jamminess or maybe like a slightly frattiness, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the um, for the counting counting bros, if you will. <laughs> oh, uh, the um, the uh, uh, bare naked ladies for a kind of self aware cleverness. Uh, uh, there was another one in there that was that was maybe for the for the hookiness. Um, was it semisonic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, semisonic <laughs> for the kind of the 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 hookiness of the of the choruses. Um, right, but that that you sort of need to you need to sort of temper all of these uh, tendencies with one another in order to get the full goulash of of Counting yeah. Crows. In order that yeah. that it sort of it emerges as a tapestry. Like, yeah, you I have to actually, count. You have to count all the crows, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about like. I was thinking about the the kind of the late '90s Swedish invasion that led to um, that actually sort of led is still being cashed out in a lot of like top forty and uh, commercial R and B and stuff like this. That like not uh, not prog R and B, but like non prog <laughs> regressive R and B, right? That like where the functions, you know. And I read a a, a really good book by John Seabrook about this. Um, about the the kind of the new Brill building, the kind of decentralized, like uh, Thomas Friedman, the world is flat, technologically enabled Brill building aspect of the construction of pop music, where like there are beat makers who are producers, there are top line writers who write the like the boom ba doom ba boom ba doom boom, got that you know what I mean? Who write that yeah. la cookie piece? Then there are lyric writers who are like to a certain extent the most disposable of all of them, and then there you know uh, there are artists right there. There's this sort of specialist thing. And like this to me strikes me as like the, the most um, uh, like the most uh, uh, intentional, the most kind of um, well thought out way of trying to capture the, the Counting Crows lightning in a bottle um, early Counting Crows by kind of d- d- making each of these things a separate uh, job function, you know, yeah. uh, in, in this kind of Henry Ford assembly line model. Um, but that, that like, uh, but to, to a certain extent, like the hookiness, like the sha la 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 la, like he, he's reaching back to brown eyed girl, right? Yeah, like he's, totally. he's reaching back. And even like in that song, there's, there are like doo wop backing vocals that are sort of like brill building girl groups, uh, yeah. a little bit. So like they are invoking the rock gods, um, they're invoking the rock gods in in a certain way, and like the whole thing is is tight. It has this this sort of sheen on it, and it's true for at least the next few albums. And until I fell off, uh, I, I bought Hard Candy on CD. I bought the th- up to the third album uh, on CD, and I didn't like. Oh, sorry, the fourth album. Uh, I didn't like the fourth album, and I I fell off. Then I did not get any of the live albums. Or I think I got one and didn't like it, and so I uh, I stopped buying the live albums. But they. they they were all like releasing live albums the the same time, and whereas the like I thought there was a certain like pleasing tightness to the like just enough shaggy jamminess to the um 
uh, to the album cuts, uh, to me as, as a live band, they went way, 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 uh, uh, overboard in their like uh, in their sort of fish it, way 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 too far in the direction of fish in terms of like becoming a jam band and that that like uh, it because it 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 made it off balance. Like a lot of the things it, it sort of mm. threw a lot of other pleasant things about the other successful things uh, about the recordings on the albums um, uh, off balance. And so I don't, I don't need like, uh, a 15 minute jam on Anna begins or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, or round here or whatever, right? Like the, I, I, I really don't need that. I, I want, um, and, and I also don't need Anabdura. It's fucking with the melodies, like in a way to like you know to to like I don't know express the extemporaneous you know whatever thing he is like they're they're, they're good right. melodies. This is this is not jazz. This is Counting Crows. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I used to describe Counting Crows to people as like they're like a they're like a coffee house acoustic band, but they're like as good as you can do that. They're like the apotheosis of of that uh of that genre and that you know and that that was that there's something there's something sort of pleasant to that so like i i was not on board with um I was not on board with with Counting Crows as a live band. This is all the long way around the barn to sort of answer your question. Like to a certain extent, they are uh, they are responsible because they had such such commercial success with the the formula. I think that what happened and, and one of the reasons it got very shitty is that like. Um, there was a lot of uh, weak misreading of what the yeah. of what actually made them successful and what made the what made the song satisfying. I think that's I think that's actually right. And actually, and, and it's it's weird though because like all of the songs that I list listed um, that came up on that radio station, I have enjoyed at one point in my life. Um, and they're all songs that um, you know, in a pinch, I would totally whip out at karaoke, right? Um, in one, both because they would um, either they would get the right mix of like uh, trolling and and authentic enjoyment, um, and and it would. It would would val- uh, it, it varies from song of those to song, um, but I, I think that it's right. I mean, especially from the level of kind of artistically ambitious albums um, that it is, and and from even you know, I mean, as for me, for someone who tends um, more hard towards um, towards punk and kind. Of- of um, music that's more aggressive or more kind of you know post has a postness to it, um, you know that 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 the the direction that the late '90s kind of take um, is is disappointed given some of the um, highlights of the early '90s of of the Breeders uh, or Nirvana um, and some of the other albums that we've we've talked about. But I, I do I agree that there are so many you know misre- uh, weak misreadings of Counting Crows and that you know the Counting Crows didn't leave an instruction manual <laughs> um, right and it is and it's hard because a lot of people wanted to replicate that um but it is because it wasn't just you know the van morrisonness or just even brown eye girl um because i think when you go beyond um brown eye girl in the van morrison catalog into um what is it, is it moon dance and some yeah. of the other kind of albums and you get some of these kind of more rambly um you know these these songs that don't necessarily have this voice vo- uh, uh chorus verse structure right um and that kind of um that, that kind of ramble and unspool and i think that that is what's i think cool about a lot of these songs and, and it's interesting right because i think that a lot of these um finish very differently than they start, right? Omaha is like this. Uh, Anna, Anna Begins is like this. Um, um, Round Here is, is like this to an extent as well, um, where there is, is kind of this ominous and, and kind of slower start, and then it kind of kicks into a high gear and then just keeps unspooling. Um, and, but it, it kind of does that at a, and these are pretty long songs. Um, you know, they, they, a, a lot of these songs clock in at the four or five minute range. Um, but it's, that's the precise right time. Right. And, um, and, and that, uh, I could imagine that becoming 15 minutes. Um, it, 
that loses actually, right? That there is a kind of, whether it's deliberateness or at least a sense, um, that's been lost, right? And it becomes something, um, it becomes something very different. Um, right, because when, what, what, it jams out. Yeah. what happens in that, like, there's a, you're talking in general, it's a crescendo, right? Like it's right. a kind of, it's, and it's not the loud, soft, loud dynamic. It's this sort of organic build of like kind mm-hmm. of g- gradually getting into it. And that like, mm-hmm. uh, when you stretch that out to 15 minutes, right, you can't go any higher. So there end up being long stretches of just plateau, you know? Yeah. And it's not, um, you know, and it's not like, uh, I don't know. I once, uh, I once like listened to some Indian ragas, you know, and, <laughs> like and that just went on for fucking ever. But you know what? They had this kind of hypnotic effect and like this really sublime, uh, like way of bringing on a kind of ecstatic state. But, yeah. that, that, but it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, you don't do that in a, in a, like a coffee house band. You like, it's not, it's not music for tripping. It's music for like nodding, you know, it's, or, or, or dancing or like for any kind of like ecstatic, cathartic sort of posture or activity. It's music for like, it's music for holding one of those, uh, giant latte bowl cups from like second wave coffee houses from the nineties uh, with like the thick wall. Do you know the ones I mean, the ones oh, yeah, that, yeah. In, from like, so I married an ax murderer. Right. Um, and, uh, and like nodding, like, yeah, you know, uh, nodding, uh, along. And that's, that's the appropriate thing. Like I, I, that's the appropriate like posture. Um, the, the, uh, the, um, the thing that surprised me going, going back to it, for this episode uh, was that I didn't mind the downer songs so much. <laughs> like in my mind, I had separated and this actually might represent like an adolescent or an early 20 somethings point of view. Right. Like I had separated August and everything after into uh, uh, up tempo, good songs and kind of downer songs like perfect blue buildings uh, time and time again, ghost train mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. raining in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, Anna begins get gets a pass for me because I think there's something really sublime about the recording of every of Anna begins on uh, 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 it, it just expresses something so much. I feel like like if you wanted the key to my like my you know romantic life as a teenager, it was probably Anna begins. You know, and uh, and and I say that not with any great sense of pride or, uh, you know, uh, uh, that that admission is not made with it with any great sense of pride. Um, so, yeah, I, I uh, really, you know, uh, but but going back to it, I actually I thought I appreciated the sequencing and I appreciated the the slower that what I would have called the downer songs, the kind of yeah. down tempo numbers, um, you know, more than I expected to, because they they were part of a kind of larger uh larger move like culminating with with kind of local maxima at mr jones rain king and murder of one right and that and that like uh that i i I actually sort of appreciated the albumness uh of the album and uh and found that i i didn't mind it uh i i didn't I, i no longer thought of the downer songs as downer songs i thought i i was able to kind of accept them as like part of the experience you know well and that sequencing is very interesting because that's very not a LP sequencing, right? Uh, um, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. That's a CD sequencing because it doesn't have a side A, side B dynamic, right? Or at the very least, or it's a du- it's a, a double disc, right? Um, I would need to think about those, um, but because um, it, it, you know that it could. I'm, not, I'm trying to think about whether the length would go into a a double disc um, because you, like you say, there are these micro cycles um, that are very interesting. But you're right that it's not a side A, side B, and it's not or it's not one slow kind of, you know, crescendo and then unwinding. Right. Um, And I I think that, you know, that that the ending on the chillest song is a pretty played out move. And and a murder of one is not the chillest song. Right. right? Right. It's the one where they say the name of the band. <laughs> right? Um, You've been waiting. Yeah, exactly. You've been waiting this whole time to hear this. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and for that reason, this is actually something that um, TFT Punk correspondent uh, Rachel D and I discussed, is that there are these, like, as we listen to this together uh, just before recording, that the thing that surprised me the most is that there are more um, similarities uh, between Counting Crows and my beloved The Hold Steady than you than you might suppose. Yeah. Um, one of which is that The Hold Steady also has lots of songs where they say the name of the band, uh, where they uh, shout out ecstatically it's always in context they don't just say hold steady but there's like you know that it's an instruction or an exhortation or something and it's the thing that a lot of people yell along with um that's one of them but it's also i mean some of these kinds of what we were talking about um these modes of crescendo um and and kind of um and, and, and kind of i think the focus on lyrics um and then also in the last like three um whole steady albums in the instrumentation as it kind of veered away um from from the hard rock and hard like post punky hard rock into um a little more of these kind of acoustic textures and kind of cleaner textures um it again sounds more like the uh the the counting crows or the more similarities between the whole city and the counting crows that I would have uh realized um but I think that I don't know there's just something it's relatively rare right you sometimes have um albums uh where the the song title is a lyric right or there's a there's a titular song um but like the the having the name of the band embedded as a lyric right. somewhere um is is a lot more unusual um and and there's something both on the one hand a little on the nose about it and on the other hand um like kind of cool because it's also like well we thought this lyric was cool enough to name our whole band after it yeah i mean I, you know you got to wonder about the sequencing of that right like and i'm right? sure it's mythologized and we will never know the truth uh, a little bit hey just on this score i want to read you a little bit from the chris gow uh consumer guide um review of august and everything uh, everything after because he's, he's i i think he misses the point but i i also think he's not wrong uh, Adam Durrett sings like the dutiful son of permissive parents. <laughs> I hope don't sit next to me at Woodstock. He went to good summer camps. He doesn't eat junk food. He's confused about all the right things, and he's not going away anytime soon. So starved are his peers for a show of musical emotion more learned than Mariah Carey's that some even compare him to Van Morrison, as if all sodden self-pity were the same. <laughs> it doesn't end with Duritz either. Mr. Jones and Anna Begins might live up to the songs in them if the band conceived the tracks as music first and songs second. Folk rockers never do. B minus. I mean, he's not he's not wrong. Like a lot of this is I a lot of this is on point, but I think that like uh I, I think that it's not like um I don't know. I, I think that there's there's something that that he's missing which is that like this is capturing a a different kind of this is capturing a much more sort of sorrowful like uh, tubercular like uh uh angst ridden young manhood than than the kind of um lord of the flies kind of young manhood uh captured in a lot of the rock and roll that that Hmm. that chris gow prefers Hmm. right this is like uh (laughs) You know, I don't know. This is a, a portrait of the artist as a young, as a young whiny man, right? Well, or I mean, this is if it is Lord of the Flies. Um, Adam Duritz is Piggy, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. He's the one. He's the one with the asthma, uh, <laughs> um, right? And not not the not the the fittest who survives. <laughs> um, well, that's yeah. yeah it, so I mean, it's interesting. I was talking with. I was listening to uh, this record pretty loud on open back headphones. And my office mates uh, were making fun of me. Um, and I also said, Maddie, I, I don't think you know that your headphones bleed. Your, your, the open back ones that don't, you know, that don't close off the sound. I don't think you know they bleed as much as they, uh, as they do. And I, I hear you're listening to some Counting Crows, huh? And, uh, and we got to talking about it. And like our, 
my my office mate Dave was a little more um, uh, hard nosed about this than than I was. He was like, "It's an astonishing debut album," and then Adam Duritz gets fat and whiny and annoying, uh, and and very uh, you know. Um, very clear that like later period counting crows wasn't his his cup of tea but like he actually he said something i thought was very insightful which is that like the songs become about the the vicissitudes of of fame right like uh about like adam duritz becomes drake basically like life like life in hollywood one more day up in the canyons you know what i mean like stuff stuff like this it's it's so hard dating jennifer aniston and courtney cox yeah yeah it's totally it's uh it's totally awful uh no doubt so that so that's you know that's uh annoying but that like that the earlier songs and he he put it in a way that i would not necessarily have have put it but like the earlier songs are about this sort of exalted life you know and that like uh and to me that's really what anna begins is about it's about like sort of elevating through your own self-mythologizing through your own like uh through your own kind of emotional jerking off right like getting your (laughs) getting the feelings boner like so hard that uh you know that you like think that these like these feelings you have and these like confusing relationships are so uh so of such cosmic import that they like are on a huge scale and oh lord i'm not ready for this sort of thing you know what i mean and like the the uh that this the, uh, you know that that the feelings are just so so powerful that they become cosmic um and and that like uh i i realized that that yeah like it's it's funny it's almost abstract in the uh in the early in the early days and and um and it it gets pretty it, there's like a pathetic drop uh to the ridiculous uh in later in um in later counting crows but uh, you know i don't know i agree that it's a sort of astonishing it's a sort of astonishing debut album and and to a certain extent you either buy this or you don't Right, like your 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 kind of ideal dream of yourself uh, as a young man is either as a as a like a, a, a mosher in the pit, right, or else as a you know sensitive uh, poet with uh, hair extensions to give you dreadlocks, sitting uh, you know sipping out of your you know lapping out of your latte bowl uh, the the you know ninety percent milk ten percent coffee. That is, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, that is your substitute for life experience. Well, I mean, I, you know, I think that um, I, I think that there, I'll gesture towards a little genre called emo that says uh, that is a false dichotomy. Right. But like that you get as emo and some of you know, the earliest beginnings of emo were percolating um, at this time. But there is, you know, we've talked a little bit about all of these kind of, you know, dialectics on dialectics um, in in the early 90s as everything is starting is folding over on itself and combining and recombining um and we talked a little bit about the things that were combined and recombined into um counting crows um but i do think that i mean one could read that um you know that as emo becomes this kind of second wave of emo um in the late 90s and and very early um 2000s especially like the late 90s for like the meat of bands like um the get up kids sunny day real estate promise ring that it takes some of exactly what you are describing of this kind of exaltedness of of emotion um and kind of combines it with some of the grunge uh and punk agroness right uh-huh. um and, and so that uh and and there are a few other you know and i think there are pieces of the kind of um of of the of smashing pumpkins that we talked about last week in there um weezer that we've talked about kind of late period weezer but i think um weezer's first two albums get thrown in there um and so that um it, you're you're right that at this time these are our two poles and you are one or the other um but i think that um you know that at one of the things that this goes that goes on to happen um is that once these are both in play someone's going to 
smash them together right um and uh and um and 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 someone's getting the um you know exalted emotional peanut butter uh in in the agro punky chocolate sure there's i mean and there's a range in emo right from like right. uh from you know chiller maybe more piano focused whatever mm-hmm. to the uh the, sub- the something corporates of the world right sure yeah absolutely and then to the to the i don't know who's who like uh dashboard or you know death back cab or like whatever I, I it's really it's your genre this is your area of expertise not mine so you'd have to tell me who the really uh uh who the really aggro ones are Oh, like Thursday or and and Thursday and beyond. Um, the the screamo. Um, as a, as an aside and kind of to support this up before we kind of pivot into some songs. Um, but uh, uh, Adam Duritz shows up on a later uh, Dashboard album. Oh, does um, he? As as a guest vocalist, yeah. Uh, so this isn't just um, you know that he is uh, you know the uh, the kind of one of the grandfathers of emo, right? Um, or maybe or maybe like the if not the grandfather, like a um, you know the uncle of emo, <laughs> uncle he's uncle emo, <laughs> um, and 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 is there. And I think part of how this is possible, I think this is one last kind of genre thing, but I think that, you know, for all this, you know, that this is, um, or these are kind of maybe two related genre things. I think there's two factors that are important kind of as we dive into some of these songs. Uh, one is that for as much as this is very coffee shoppy and, and is very acoustic sounding, I'm actually surprised that so many of the guitar sounds more than I re- realized are clean electric guitars right and there's a lot more kind of jangly pop that kind of echoes kind of your rem um and some of your other kind of college rock of the 80s um than i remembered or expected right Right. so the yeah yeah i I mean oh sorry you finish your thought because i I have something i want to definitely establish about this yeah yeah so and, and just that it's very um in dialogue with indie music, right? And so that, yes, it is being played in coffee shops. And I think that the other piece of this, um, is that where it's be, the, the, the specific coffee shops it's being played in are the coffee shops of Berkeley, California and kind of the Bay Area, right? And, and I think that some of this, um, the vibe and this kind of, um, exalted life, um, is from living in kind of late eighties, early nineties, um, Berkeley, where you have the residues of what had been around there, um, 20 years earlier, both chemically and socially, uh, um, and, and culture, but then like kind of, um, you know, culturally, um, and musically, but that's still intersecting what, what's, um, percolating up in the, um, in the American musical underground and, and college rock. And so that these two kind of combine the kind of hippie folky culture, um, collides with the kind of undergroundy post punky alternative culture. Um, and I think that that's, a, a, a lot of what is kind of ultimately kind of combusting in, in counting crows. Sure. Uh, the, the one, di- the crucial difference for counting crows, when you compare it to like your platonic ideal of an indie band, um, uh, or a grunge band, like the, the grunge bands were still into guitar heroics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, you know, uh, there's a direct line from sort of riff rock to the, uh, to Pearl Jam for, for example, um, like, well, and we saw it in, and we saw it in smashing pumpkins too. Last yeah, week. absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, in, in counting crows, the lead instrument is Adam Durrett's voice. <laughs> and that's and yeah. y- like that's just something you have to accept yeah. that that sort point. of that reedy it's almost like a saxophone it has like a reedy kind of whiny timbre um like a like a, a an alto saxophone or an oboe or something and like an oboe it it ranges in in appropriateness from like the sound of of sublimity to the sound of torturing a duck and like <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and that like all the um, even the like the lead guitar uh, electric guitar stuff. I'm and I'm thinking of uh, like Anna begins here. There's a uh, there's a guitar figure that's like bow 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 bow, just like a fourth, uh, an open fourth or an open fifth uh, that that uh, happens. And there are a couple of places where that where that 
happens. It's always in dialogue uh, with with the the vocal and all the sha la la ooh uh, yeah all that right like is a way of taking up space that could have been seated to a guitar solo but isn't that's so yeah that it's basically it's it's of a of a piece with scat singing right Right. yeah absolutely if and if you think of like prince's guitar as the devil schlong it's uh it's like devil schlong cock blocking you know (laughs) yeah i mean yeah exactly i mean that's so interesting right and in that way and but you see that again in terms of these these kinds of masculinities that are kind of in play and kind of fighting for kind of popular and kind of cultural um space uh in 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 real estate um in the early 90s right that's very different right it it is it's it is this very it's it's both it's a cock block not only because it's some of it is by taking up space and some of it is by just you know of i mean it's so interesting right because it's killing one kind of boner but but creating another kind um and and i mean i it is just interesting uh one last thing on on boners uh is that you know it, we, it's so funny that we talked about boners with meatloaf also right that 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 there is and it has something to do with the kind of um, masculinity that are being put out there um, at this period. And, and you know, there, there were, you know, we also did talk about the breeders. Um, this is also contemporaneous with a number of um, awesome um, female-driven uh, rock bands um, and solo acts, uh, Liz Fair, PJ um, Harvey's first album, um, Hole, uh, a bit later on. But it, it is like these kinds of dueling masculinities um, and, and, uh, and, and these kind of competing visions is an interesting thing that's happening um in this 92 to 90 uh 94 stretch um so i mean with all of that backdrop and kind of all this situating i mean where are some where are some songs that you want to um jump into I where mean, the i don't know the the yeah it's a good question like you could you can really go in uh you can really go in anywhere um i think that like omaha is is maybe uh Omaha is maybe a good place to go. This is I, I'm a I'm a uh, make a controversial statement. This is my favorite song on mm. this record. Wow. Uh, no, I, I I see it. I like. I mean, I'm, I, I I'm not. I, you know, I'm not a fanboy, so I I don't know. I don't know what bu- buttons that is pushing. No, it, <laughs> well, yeah, it's it, it's not one of the high points, and it's it's not one of the high points, right? It's not one of the uh, the hits, like the hit yeah. singles, and it's and neither is it one of the emotional uh, like sort of yelps, you know? Right. Um, it's, it's somewhere in Middle America. Yeah, exactly, and that like. Um, I don't know. There, there's a whole idea. Uh, it to me, it it develops over the course of the song. It develops a, like a, a a set of interconnected threads of ideas that are all bullshit, but that I think are that all are all sincerely believed. Which is a kind of like idealization of the simple life in Middle America yeah. and and farming. Um, uh, <laughs> the uh you know um the idea of the idea of sort of like um a bad relationship with your dad which is like hey mister if you want to walk on water you're you're only going to walk all over me uh right like in the middle of the night there's a young man rolling around in the earth and rain and there's there's the and, and then the idea of like uh uh personal authenticity um under threat, right, and a kind of rebirth and recommitment to uh, to the authentic self, the sort of baptism of the uh, in the middle of the night. There's a young man rolling around in the earth and rain. Um, that the uh, you know, um, and and that like there's a uh, there's a uh, connection with romance because whereas in the first verse it's start turning the grain into the ground, uh, in the last verse it's it's uh, start turning the girl into the ground, roll a new life over, uh, not a new leaf, uh, not a new leaf over. So the idea that the idea that like. Um, that you know that relationships with with them 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 ones that got the boobies right like uh is is 
both a, a kind of threat to the authenticity and also a kind of like turning the girl into the ground, like planting, like uh, uh, sort of making um, like making ready or like uh, uh, investing or like planting for a, a, a future harvest, you know, and that like these these things sort of develop. Um, uh, I don't know these the, these. Uh, these things sort of develop in a way that actually manages to be sort of surprising, and the the repetitions uh, with the difference I think are are satisfying and manage to illuminate the the song's project. Which uh, I'll reiterate again is total bullshit. Like from from <laughs> from the point of view from the point of view of a mature psychology, but it's not written from the point of view of a mature of uh, of a mature psychology. It's it's written from the point of view of a kind of striving adolescent psychology, and I, I think it captures that uh successfully i mean i think that this idea of striving adolescence is is, is really interesting because i think it connects um like directly i think just going sequentially in a different um domain on on the most um famous song on mr jones right i mean and it's 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 such an interesting song um you know because i one of i i i dreamed up a lot of um questions for you uh, and one of the other ones was you know are, are counting crows cool um and they're they're very much not yeah um and, and there's a number of ways in which they're uncool but i think mr jones is uncool because it's you know in a kind of adolescent psychology in high school it's uncool to show how hard you're trying right, right. um and that mr jones um is this song about wanting to hit it big about wanting to be a rock and roll star among among other things yeah um um, but um, that that there is this right, um, uh, Mr. Jones and me, right in the second chorus. Mr. Jones and me look into the future. Yeah, we stare at the beautiful women. She's looking at you. I don't think so. She's looking at me, standing in the spotlight. I bought myself a gray guitar. When everybody loves me, I will never be lonely. Oof, he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that, that's he, wrong. That's uh, it, which is all the more impressive because I think that it's pretty clear that this is supposed to be ironic, right? Like that this is <laughs> that this is sort of a portrait of a of a particular point of view that he's not necessarily endorsing. Uh, but that, like, but even so, he turned out to be wrong, right? Right. Like I don't believe this, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be wrong, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is so interesting, right? Because there is this irony there, but like it's it's an irony of this kind of like it's it's kind of a little bit of a passing off as a joke, uh, like a thing you actually mean. It's like, oh, I'm going to be famous. No, just just kidding. Yeah, right, right. I'm going to be famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, but really, but no, but no, but no, but yeah, but really, right. And, and there's this like whole dance, right? Like, um, I want to be Bob Dylan, but like, no, yeah, that's that's preposterous. But like, who else has a voice like an oboe, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's 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 me and Bob Dylan are are the oboe men of rock and roll, <laughs> right? Um, and, and and so right, and even just like the the, the vibe and the fact that like there is this kind of. Um, carousel of looking at an ogling women in a bar and and being the like no dude you should talk to her no you should talk to her um and like yeah right like yeah you know me and her yeah we're gonna get together right this kind of masculine kind of fantastical boasting um and that that um that in the kind of uh, realm of of um romantic kind of desire is also mapped on to a desire for stardom um but is it's it's part of what makes this song so um it is so enduring and made it such a big hit is because it is this is the striving of it all um and and the line that i i quoted at the top it's just um is is so ridiculous um where is it again uh, when he says all of the all of the beautiful colors are very very meaningful <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it is a like a that is a a case where it i mean i i do love it's like why they say show don't tell <laughs> um it's like i i think it's the but then it's like but if you tell like very very tell right <laughs> because it's just the like the it's not just that the colors are very meaningful it's that they're very 
very meaningful. Um, it's got twice. It's got twice the the variness and four times the meaning. <laughs> I just I, I love I like in the same way. Again, I was an adolescent when I heard it, and something about that endures, right? Even though it is, um, it, it's preposterous. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I I a little bit like it's interesting. Like I'm not. I, it's interesting. That, to kind of parse out the extent to which this is supposed to be satirical, right? Uh, yeah. Like, and, or or the extent to which it's kind of uh, sloughed off as like a, um, oh yeah, these are kind of drunken ramblings, right? Like we're yeah. sit we're sitting, we're ogling women in the bar, like we're getting kind of progressively more incoherent. At the end, we're stumbling through the barrio trying to get home, um, you know, uh, and and it's just it's all. Uh, it it all works except I want to be a lion. Yeah, everybody wants to pass as cats, right? Like right. that's that's the one where it's like, oh, there's not enough distance in that metaphor, right? <laughs> like that metaphor is too sincere. Like you yeah. have, you have like broken the stop. You like we are not at a consistent distance, a consistent ironic distance from reality, right? This is the thing that kind of uh uh. I, I don't know, kind of thrusts up like uh, like a weed through the concrete, right? Like, well, right, and that's the point in the drunken ra- drunken ramblings where you say something, and everybody goes, "Well, what?" Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Everyone's riffing, everyone's having a good time, um, and then and then it gets real, <laughs> right? Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, man, yeah, it's all it's all having fun. It's like that time that I killed a hooker in Barcelona. It's the the record needle uh, scratch. (laughs) Yeah, I want to be a lion. Everyone wants to pass as cats. <laughs> and not just because that's the sound of a cat purring or meowing or something. <laughs> or, uh, it's the sound of, of the cat is on the record player and then the cat is being dragged off of the record player. Um, and that is the sound of that. Um, it's, it's, it's double. Um, it is interesting. Um, there is it, the, the, these kinds of, um, the cats show up again on a murder of one, uh-huh. right? Um, um uh, in the opening of a murder of one, uh, blue morning, blue morning, wrapped in strands of fist and bone. Curiosity, kitten, doesn't it doesn't have to mean you're on your own, um, right? And so that's it's it, there are these right there there are these you know whether or not there, there are definitely uh, moments where he definitely believes himself to be being poetic. <laughs> <laughs> right um um and it's even there right uh in the in the we haven't talked about the album art but you know it's very much like someone's uh poetry journal right um and and i and, and i'm given to understand and you you know you being a super fan that i guess august and everything after was a song that was not included on the album um and the words the kind of journally uh script words that are on the the cover are are like um the lyrics to the song that did not appear on right. the album yeah. <laughs> that, uh, right, that uh, that are written in this like this scrawl. You can just imagine it's some sort of like leather bound special journal of blank pages with like you know papyrus pages or something like right. that. Like that are artificially aged, maybe burned around the edges, just to give them that kind of bespoke uh, uh, you know a- uh, antique feeling. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like I, it's worth pointing out that Murder of One. Um, Hmm. It a murder of one is a, like a stock emo sort of situation where yeah. he's uh where it's sort of talking it's like uh talking to the girl taking her inventory uh for her and telling and like you sort of you want the girl to change but you also really you don't want the girl to change because then she wouldn't be available as kind of a damaged object for you right. to like right. what would you write your songs about then <laughs> right yeah if she if she broke up with her shitty boyfriend and like took up with you and you were like all happy and stuff yeah exactly what would be your uh what what would you scrawl on your burned parchment then you know uh you're you're like your shopping list to go to whole foods right yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Yeah. This is a, I mean, this is a, because um, we're old guys now, Ryan, like this, this is why this doesn't sort of work in the same way uh, as it did before. But it's like, I don't know. It's, I, I look at it as sort of like revisiting an old friend, that kind of old side of myself, you know what I mean? That sort of old part of myself. But the idea that like, that you're going to get, you're going to get a girl and then like, this is it, you know, or like, you're going to be famous and then this is it. It, right. you know, and, and that like, uh, whenever, when everybody loves you, you can never be lonely. Right. right? Exactly. <laughs> like, and that, that like, right. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm never going to be lonely and I, I'm joking, but no, I'm never going to be lonely. And that would be lying. <laughs> <laughs> raw, you know, uh, that like, um, that, uh, but, but to a certain, to a certain extent, I don't know. In in retrospect, it's almost like the longing was the most fun, you know? And th- I think that's why you can go back to music like this and sort of make it, uh, why you can go back to music like this and sort of uh, make it fun. It, it can be sort of fun again, and it can be like not insufferable. It can be a, uh, like, like a party, like revisiting an old, uh, an old, an old person. And, and so I feel the same thing here about the, you know, a murder of one in like, you know, the, the fun thing is that you never got the girl, you know? Yeah. And yeah. a little bit, it's like this capital R romantic or at least English romantic idea of like Ode on a Grecian Urn, like more happy love, more happy, happy love, forever wilt thou love and she be fair. You know, the idea that like, uh, that the figures on the Grecian Urn are are frozen in, uh, like in the moment of peak boner, you know? And like, and that, 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 that doesn't last. You can't sustain peak boner. Uh, certain, no. hey, certainly, if, if peak boner lasts for more than four centuries. <laughs> uh, you know, call your doctor. <laughs> um, that like, uh, but it can be it can be kind of encapsulated in these in these little moments in these kind of crystalline um, encapsulations, artistic encapsulations of of the 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 feeling, and that's what. I don't know. That's, uh, you know, um, uh, murder of one is, is one that does it as well. And, and it begins for what it's worth is, is definitely, um, one that, that does it, does it as well. Right. Like it's all or nothing, you know, is the first line of the song. And that's that like sort of extreme, uh, it's going to be like an extreme experience. There's no moderation. There's no, uh, gray, uh, whether or not it's your favorite color, right? Like for one time only make an exception. Um, you know, uh, and, and then, then the idea, like this sort of, this sort of adolescent concern about authenticity of like, is it love or is it just lust? A, a, a question that like does not bother me even a little bit in my thirties, right? Like, uh, um, uh, with, with, with a little experience of like love, how it develops and, and what it's about, you know, like, but it's, it's, uh, there, there's this definitely this kind of like uh, adolescent boy authenticity question of like, well, is the love pure? Is it real? Is it all or is it nothing? You know. Um, yeah. Well, then, and like, if it's love, then we're gonna well, then we've, we're gonna have to think about the consequences, right? Right? Because um, she can't stop shaking, and I can't stop touching her, and this time, and there is a strong arrival at the tonic yeah. on. Uh, uh, this time with that, uh, with like a big strum of the tonic chord and the guitar that, uh, uh, open, open fourths and fifths guitar figure. And, um, you know, uh, it, it just really, uh, I don't know. It just really all happens for me there in that, in that particular, <laughs> in that particular moment. Yeah. Well, when, the, when the kindness falls like rain, it washes you away <laughs> you every, every time, like, like the itsy bitsy emotional spider. <laughs> yeah. But no, and it's, it's to kind of close it. it it's it wrapping back to what you were saying. And I think this for me, um, it connects with the, with these songs. Um, but especially for some other things that even, were the on repeat things when I when I was uh, a teenager and 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 um, and a kind of you know in my late 
teens, early 20s with emo music, I think you're right that it's this longing for something that never arrived makes it able, it makes it possible to go back to it, right? Um, and because you become not nostalgic for an arrival, but for a sense of a journey, right? And even if it was misguided um, or, or, uh, or, or kind of um, circular, um, you know, Either you, I mean, I think especially if you have changed, weirdly going back is, um, is, is satisfying. Um, and it also, I think though, at the same time can make, um, getting into some of this music, um, later in life a lot more difficult, right? And, and we've had this with, in some of our contemporary quarters, um, when we've talked about, um, I, I'm, I've, I'm thinking of a few, um, there was like a, definitely a mini about two years ago, a mini emo boom, uh, when we talked about, um, the most recent Waxahachie, uh, record, when we talked about the most recent, um, uh, Death Cab record, right? Where, uh, I mean, and, and again, I'm, I think I have, I have emo affinities and, and was it more, uh, lenient towards, uh, a lot of these and these were ones for you um you, you know you were a lot it was a lot harder for you to get on board with those uh in part because you couldn't get on, on board with the faulty destination uh, at that point in time right and and so it is really interesting to think about what it takes to kind of buy into that but once you've bought in um you know you're the, the member it's a lifetime membership right and you can kind of and you can kind of keep going back even if you're not um you know paying your dues on a regular basis um you can still go back um as a as an honorary member <laughs> um and there's something extremely rewarding um about that um so we'll we'll leave it there um i'd love to hear um you know again as always with these historical albums i love to hear both from folks who listened to this at the time and kind of had their own um journey with this album and kind of wore out specific songs at different times, um, as well as listeners um, who had never really got into this either um, just because, um, you know, you, you, you missed it. You, you, you were either too early or too late for counting crows, or you knew the singles and didn't dive into the album. Um, I'd love to hear about both ends of the counting crows uh, experience um, either. Uh, and, and there's a lot of ways to let us know um, show notes at overthinking it.com is a good way uh, uh, with shorter uh, bursts, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at TFT Podcast, or we are Theory for Turntables uh, on Facebook. Um, and so we will continue next week um, uh, just churning our way through the 1990s um, and wherever we land uh, uh, in, in our great trajectory. Just know that when we come back, we will be keeping it real. I'm under the gun.